listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Andrea, and with me today is Left of the Dial founder and Left of the Dial original host, your friend and mine. It's Kitsy. Hi, Kitsy. Hey, hi. I'm here yeah. again. <laughs> I know. I'm back, I, off, I'm, I'm back off the road and I'm back on the podcast. Back off the road, back on the podcast. I only bring you on for really important episodes and super special occasions, and this is one of them. Um, we have a guest today that I'm going to introduce in like two seconds, and it's one of those people. I feel like a few times I've said, like, I can't believe we haven't had whoever on yet. And this is like, like the best example of that. Like when we when we talked about having our guest who I'm going to introduce in just a second on, I kind of was like, we really haven't yet. Like that seems impossible, but it's true. And there's a reason that you're here specifically, Kitsy, but we'll get into that. Um, a Day Without Love is a solo project of multi-genre musician and artist Brian Walker. He joins us today to talk about his new album, A Stranger That You Met Before. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Hi, hello. 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 I'm, I'm happy to be here. How's everyone doing? I'm really good. I'm so excited that you're here. I am like really excited to talk to you about this album. Um, and do we want to say, Kitsy, why I specifically said that, uh, that, that I wanted you on this one with us? Um, I think it's more fun if we don't say and just let everyone try to guess and figure it out. Oh, or boy. we could say, no, we can say it. We can say it. But okay. So, so here's the thing. So I, I engineered and mixed, uh, this record. I think, I think we can all agree on that. That's the thing that happened. Uh, so the, the question then becomes, am I here as a co-host or as a guest in this context? A, a guest, a co-guest host, I think. Why don't we figure it out at the end? <laughs> we will. Yeah. Um, Brian, a stranger that you met before has been out for, what, just a, almost, ex is it exactly a month today? I think. Exa while we were exactly a month today. Happy yeah. one month anniversary. Yeah. How has it been having yeah. it out there for everybody? You know, it hasn't officially hit me. Like, you know, people that, like, I don't remember, like, texting me like hey really good job on the record i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so like that's like one thing but otherwise like i don't think it's gonna hit me until i have the, the physical vinyl in my hand because essentially like the pr the processing plant the the vinyl plant uh got pushed back like every diy artist <laughs> in the world so like i'm touring it and like i'm playing it solo and now with the backing band and everything uh we actually have band practice right after this um and it's like it's cool to see people play the songs like because yeah. like you know i did a lot of the tracking for this record but i didn't really have a concept of like am i going to play this out live or not um but now i am and it's really cool to see people like receive it well but it, it hasn't hit me because like i don't have the actual record in my hand so yeah yeah, that makes that makes a ton of of sense. Yeah. Um, before we get into uh, the specifics, the handful of specific songs we're going to talk about, can you talk a little bit about making this album more more generally? What you're certainly so like originally, um, I wrote these songs and and I met Kitsy at a coffee shop via like the Philadelphia DIY Collaborative. Um, with the intent of making these songs for a documentary I was working on. And, you know, other than dealing with someone like my, my, my video producer at the time, who wasn't exactly the most stable person, um, <laughs> like j just being honest, uh, 
I was like, you know, I'm already recording this. And granted, they didn't want to use those specific songs for the film and I ended up scoring something else. Oh. I was like, I still want to move forward in this recording process because I think like what Kitty and I are doing is, is pretty cool. Um, and then like the other thing happened, COVID happened. So there was like, what, what Kitsy, like, like a seven, nine month break. <laughs> you know, I think, like I think it was a solid, I think it was a solid year because <laughs> yeah. we, we did, um, we started tracking it in, uh, I want to say in like January or February of 2020. Yeah, right? exactly. Cause we, yeah. we did perfect we, timing. Oh, no. yeah, yeah. We did, we did some. Uh, we did drums for like I think six or so of the songs at sure, Meyer sure, Street because sure. I didn't yeah. even have my space yet. Yeah. Um, so we did some drums uh, at Minor Street, and uh, we started tracking like guitars and stuff in my apartment, uh, my old apartment. And then the world stopped for like a minute. And then in that time, I I bought the house I'm in now. I I started building a studio. And I think I think I opened that studio back up about a year after, like in like February, March of 2021. And that's when we picked back up production, I think. Yeah, roughly something like that. So like. I think during that time, other than texting Kitsy, like once every nine weeks, are we ready yet? <laughs> um, I just worked on getting better, like. You know, you I did. already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Thank you. So I just like worked on that, wrote other records that have yet to see the light of day. And, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like what I did while tracking it. And I'm still writing, you know, I'm kind of one of those musicians that's like, I'm always writing. Um, but now I think given where I'm at musically, I'm, I'm getting pickier. So, yeah. That's the nice thing about always writing, though, is that you do get to become pickier as you just keep outputting content. Because eventually yeah. you have to become pickier because you can't just put out everything that you come up <laughs> no. with. But that's no. a good problem to have because I, I, I know, like, for me personally, like, a, as an artist, and I haven't made anything in, like, a decade, so I don't even know if I can call myself an artist anymore. But, like, for me, it's such a struggle to finish anything that by the time I'm putting something out, it's like, this is everything I have. So it's, it's, a, it's definitely um, a nice place to be where you can kind of pick and choose, like, the best of the best of what you're working on. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. You wrote the like 15 second theme song to my other podcast. So that that counts. You said you haven't made. Oh, I did. Yes, that's own. right. <laughs> yeah. I knew that wasn't me. <laughs> I was like, wait, Brian. I was like, Brian did that? Really? I was like, wow, I'm really forgetting things. <laughs> Apparently I am, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I know when we first started working on this, I know we did some vocals in my old apartment, um, at, at first. And then I remember you, uh, when we, when you came back to my studio, um, after, you know, we, we were kind of back from pandemic break, you're like, we're scrapping all of that. It's all going away. Um, because I've been working with this vocal coach for the last year. And, That's so and cool. like, I, I've got to say just as someone who like recorded you before and then after, like it's a night and day, wow. like, yeah. like difference. Like you, you, improved your your just your ability to to sing so much in that year like it was it was this crazy transformation um and because at first i was kind of annoyed i was like really we're gonna have to retrack all this stuff and then like <laughs> after we did it, i was like no this was the right choice we did the right thing here <laughs> thank you thank you 
that's that's a cool thing to see somebody be really and i'm not surprised just seeing your output brian and how like clear it is how uh hard you're always working and how thoughtful you are about your work just as someone from the outside that's so obvious it's it's cool to see somebody be that kind of like no i'm really gonna like kind of like put my whole self into this and really dedicate some time to that i think that's really cool thank you i appreciate that as, as a day without love being a solo project but i think of you so much and it's so much in every like so much of your music how collaborative and um how like important community is with the music that you make and there are you know a handful of like philly artists and names on on this album and i really think of you i know you're not based out of philly anymore but i really think of you as a kind of like philly diy fixture really um and so I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about that specific process, like who you brought in and how you reached out to people and yeah, how you approached that part of, of making the album. Well, what's crazy is like the name of the album is called A Strange That You Met Before, which is like a cryptic way of saying a friend because every friend, it's not like you're born and like, aha, I got uh -huh. friends. Like, you know, well, and what's people the, become familiar. It's such a funny, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because i love the turn of like a friend is just what is the the like original saying is like a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet and then for you to exactly flip that is so fun I that's exactly what i did it's yeah so funny and sweet and yeah yeah that's exactly what i did and like every single person on the record like that like was part of the tracking was part of like different parts of my music life physically and digitally like for example the drummer brandon um, the two of us had gone on tours together for our like respective projects. We had written songs together. Brandon was on another record I wrote called Mega John. Mm -hmm. Um, and Brandon and I originally met when we were both like, uh, drunk in a, in a basement and, and, and Philly <laughs> DIY many, many moons ago. I think this was like 2014 or something like that. And then all we good Philadelphia uh, <laughs> <Right>. musician <laughs> relationships start. Yeah. <laughs> And then we reunited when we both had stopped drinking and then we're just like, all right, well, one, why'd you stop drinking? And like, we both talked about that. And then I was like, well, we should probably write music. And that's like <laughs> how that relationship started. Erin uh, Fox, who played Viola, I met her on a public broadcast TV show uh, via Philly Cam. And like, cool. again, <laughs> both, both non-drinkers and we just like did a tour together and wrote some music. Um, Maya I met on, who's a violin, I met her on Instagram Live, literally. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alan was someone that we had been at each other's shows, but never got to play a show together and, like, respected each other. Same oh. thing. Um, Juliet, I had met. Um, how did I meet Juliet? Oh, Juliet DM'd me to write a song, and then we just started writing music. That was literally how that happened. Um my ex-partner, you know, we just met and I just thought her voice was like the right rasp for caffeine. Mm. Um, and then uh, Renee, I met Ray from a show at World Cafe Live. So like 100% of these people that I've met that were on this record, I met because of a show. Yeah. For the best part. So, yeah. That's so cool. I love yeah. to hear how things kind of come together organically. Yeah. Yeah. That way. Same with Belle, too. Yeah. So. I mean, we'll get into these songs. I'm going to ask you to pick one to start with in just a second, but sure. she is incredible on this album. Like, Thank you. it is, she's just such a perfect addition to, 
to the stuff that she's on it's yeah yeah it's a, a standout i think um yeah let's let folks hear a song what what um what do we want to start with let's do it with make it count I want my story to count I want to scream and shout Like everyone else You don't know where I've been I've been on a bus Finding myself It's hard to sing When no one is like you It's easy to hurt When everyone's confused about being authentically vulnerable about wanting to make sure that your music um is seen and heard um but to your own specific uh standards because like in the end of the day not everyone could achieve the same level of success or visibility but everyone can achieve their own version of what it means to feel accomplished and that was something i struggled with like pre-writing this album like oh, I have to be like this person, I have to be like that person. And it was kind of like my song for saying like, hey, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And like, don't don't gaslight myself for like not being enough. It's more about making it quote unquote count. And uh, I still sometimes struggle with that a lot less than I did before, but that's kind of like what the intent of it and like why it fits in the record is because like most underground music communities of all genres is like, pretty much like a community of like outcasts like in in various ways so like 
since you're in this like underground community, how do you make yourself feel included? So you have to make your actions count. That's kind of like what that was about. So much of this album, this song, maybe maybe especially or definitely has like these really um, kind of like powerful sort of like calls to action. Is that something when you sit down to write where you're like, this is just what I'm feeling and here's how it comes out? Or is it this is the message I want to say and then wrapping the words around that? Does that make sense? <laughs> like what comes to you first? Is it like feeling or message? I think for everything I've written up to this point, it's always been about feeling. Mm -hmm. I've always had an objective, but it's always been feeling. But now um, I was watching this interview with Tyler Crater and Vince Staples about the uh, the ideas method, which is when you write down a title and say like, hey, I want to write an album about pumpkins, right? Mm -hmm. So then you have to say, I need to make a song about pumpkin seed, another song about who eats pumpkins, the different <laughs> kinds of food you have with pumpkins, and then like another song about pumpkin haters, and then that's the <laughs> album, right? So like, I never did that method. Yeah. And that's not like how this record is done, but like the next thing I'm done, I'm using that method. And I think it's like helped me become a lot less abstract you know, but like, totally. I could definitely say like all those songs, it was just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna write about friendship and just like, let it go. Um, but I didn't think of it so like, strategically, if you will. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. fascinating. What a yeah. cool, I used to be an English teacher in my days. And sometimes I would start people with like a word map of like, write down so pumpkins, right? Now write down everything you know about pumpkins. And now let's yeah. collect those into little pumpkin clusters and like give each one. And it's sort of like, that's a really, uh, I don't know, that's a really interesting exercise. That's cool. Thank you. So I, uh, this is one of my favorites on the album. Um specifically because of uh bell's vocal work on on this song i mean it is just like i've never heard one person make such an angelic choir of <laughs> sound by themselves before um and we just like layered and layered and layered her voice over and over and over again and by the time it got to like the point where it is on the record it's just like I don't know, sitting, sitting to it in my studio and like just soloing her part is just like huge. It's just like this cathedral of sound. Um, and I, I just, I've always, I don't know. I, you know, the, the coolest thing about working on this record with you is the number of people I got to meet, um, through making this record through you, which I think is, is kind of a testament to the theme of the album, right? Is like, that's kind of the whole point. Um, which is really cool. And, and, um, you know, I just, I just remember her coming into my studio and I had no idea who this person was. And just the first time she opened her mouth to sing, I was just like floored. She has a beautiful voice and I'm so glad that she ended up on this record and, and a part of this song. Cause I think it, it just really, I don't know. It just, it just really brings an, an, a, a, an extra element of greatness to an already great song. How do you decide or how did you decide, I guess, like which, like who made sense for you, Brian, where on which songs do you remember how you decided like, Oh, I, I want to bring somebody like bell in or bell in specifically for this song. So this is going to sound mad music nerdy, but uh, <laughs> I kind of wrote the ideas of voices that weren't mine on other instruments. So like bell, for example, that was an E introduction from another person 
um, from this like Philadelphia, the, the, the collective is no longer existing, but it was called like Eclectica Radio. Uh-huh. And like the person that like managed that, like introduced me to Bell, like in real life. And uh, then um, pre- previous to figuring out like what Bell sounded like in that song, like I kind of had these ideas of harmonies that like I kind of wrote on other instruments but I was just like, I can't make my voice go that high because <laughs> that's just not my range, right? Yeah. So like pre-taking Belle to the studio with Kitty, like we met at my house at the time and like wrote, went through and I was like, all right, this is what I'm thinking. I'm just going to play it out. And then Belle just took it to the next level. Um, like in terms of the drum direction, that was just because at the time, Brandon was kind of like my studio drummer for the mm-hmm. record. And like we went on this tour to Maine and I had showed them a bunch of the demos and they were like, yo, I want to play drums on this stuff. No one's even heard it. And I was just like, all right, let's go. Um, Strings and other stuff. Like it was just kind of like another thing that fell apart. Like the strings especially was like unique because the only available string quartet that like people could publicly find in Philadelphia, this might not be true anymore. They charge like, $600 $600 a session and <laughs> and I don't have that type of money. I, I don't think most people do to be honest with you. Say, yeah. Yeah. So I really had to use the DIY method. Like who's a friend where like, if I throw them 10% of that, right, <laughs> you know, right. 60 bucks, they'll do it. And then like, I had to think about it. Like, okay, I know this person. I know that person. And the three of them know each other loosely. Let's just like make it happen. Um, like I definitely will say some songs, like it really was just like, an act of God and we'll just like <laughs> Fafo, like for example, house. Um, I did not think the strings would do that, you know? Um, or like, uh, how did we, I wanted to have this folk bluegrass vibe, but I didn't think it would go that hard, you know? <laughs> so like stuff like that show friends. I always wanted that string outro. And that really came from, combining influences from pat the bunny and um i believe the like pat the bunny and anthony green because they both have these two songs uh where like there's this like nonsensical outro and that was like (laughs) the point of that so like there definitely were studio moments where i was like oh this is not what i forecasted but this is happening so yeah that's it's i i love asking questions like that after I've already heard the album and I'm familiar with the album because it feels so cohesive and it all makes so much sense. And, and then to hear you being like, I kind of followed what felt like cool and interesting to me and yeah. brought people together as, as I kind of found them and collected them and then to have it turn into this like just big, can we, I'm interrupting myself, but can we, you mentioned house. Can we talk about house next? Sure. Totally. Totally. Thank you. 
first of all, like as the opening track to this album, it feels like an overture to me in a way of like I can kind of feel the curtain rising on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I would just I would love to hear everything about how this song ended up in the place that it did. So, Brian, I think this is one of the songs that one of the first songs that we worked on together, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, and I remember this is one that we started in my apartment mm-hmm. um, before we even had any any drums tracked. And I remember it started with you, you were asking me for like a synth sound and we dialed up a couple things in Logic, um, just on like the stock synth in Logic. And we found a sound. And you're like, okay, cool. I have an idea. And uh, you just hit this one note and just held it out for like four and a half minutes. <laughs> and you just held the note. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like what, this is how it's like, what, it, what are we going to do with this? And then we just slowly started building things over it. Um, and then I remember by the time we got to, to minor street, to do drums for, for some of these songs, this was one of them. And we weren't really sure if it was going to have drums and we weren't really sure what to do with the drums. And I, I remember Brandon was trying a couple different things. And at one point I had gone downstairs to, to use the bathroom and I came back upstairs and, and, uh, Matt, Matt at minor street had dialed in this like very eighties, um, gated reverb on the drum kit. And it was just like, it all fell into place. It was like, that's the yeah. sound. That's what we need. Yeah. And, What's really cool about the the drums on that record or on that uh, that song in particular is there's actually two different drum parts happening, which was a complete mistake on my part. Um, it was a complete, just very serendipitous mistake that I made when putting tracks together because I th- I think we had a few different takes of drum parts, a few different ideas that we were throwing around, and the the reverb when when matt had um printed these these tracks for us to take back and and keep working on he he printed the reverb of the track on like its own separate track so i could mix that in as as you know as i saw fit and when i imported them into logic i accidentally imported the the drum track that we were going to be using and then i imported the reverb of a different drum track by mistake and that's why there's like this, <laughs> this full... Brian, are you just learning this for the first time? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that. So this, so this is why there's like, there's that full drum sound. And then every now and then there's like this fill that just sounds like it's off in another room. Sure. And that's because that's just the reverb of the other drum part that we didn't use, but they lined up and worked together so well that it sounds intentional. And so when I realized what had happened, I was like, no, we're keeping that. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love that you're just now finding out about this. Cause I, I guess I didn't tell you about <laughs> no, that. You I didn't. think I just, I think I just played it back for you and you were just like, yeah, that's great. Let's go with it. <laughs> Cause the thing is, I just thought like in my, in my ears, I was like, this sounds something crazy that Brandon would do. That's literally yeah. that was going to be my <laughs> Which, which to be fair, it was, it was all just yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, yeah. that, that was all just Brandon trying stuff over the track and it's it's cool because that outro like unintentionally ended up being very like explosions in the sky yeah um which i think is is definitely a different vibe than anything else you do on that record but it's it's that the way that all came together just so haphazardly and then ended up working so well it's just one of my favorite parts about that record no i I appreciate that a lot and and then to the explosion of sky reference i mean that was the intent and and the reason why it was the intent is because like 
I was thinking to myself, like, at the time that this record came out and was written, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about post-rock era. <laughs> and, like, one of the intentions of the record was, like, give a homage to every sub-genre, sub-scene that I'm a part of or I've played with. Oh. So, like, like in 2013, 2014, 2015, like, there were times I'd play shows with these, like, orchestra-like bands, and I was I was the solo opener, right? <laughs> um, or I was, like, the, the only punkish-sounding band. And, like, except for one band from, from Canada, like, a lot of those bands aren't relevant anymore, and I put relevant in quotes because that's, like, a construct. But um, a big reason why I placed the record, that song in that part of the track listing was I had to think to myself... I hate when people put the longest song on the record last. <laughs> like, I, th I think I think Silverstein killed that, to be honest with you. And so did Basement. Like, I was just like, we're done. We're no longer doing that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make this the first song for two reasons, two reasons only. Not only because it's the longest song, but the second reason is because it kind of sets the tone for community and house shows. Totally. Cause like a lot of people have told me like the song's so positive. I was like, no, it is not. <laughs> the song is making fun of people that like feel so entitled to play in someone's house, but they'll do none of the work. Yeah. You know? So I just was thinking like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be more authentic than I am fake. That's why I wrote that line. Like let's pretend to be friends, you know, like Let's that line pretend is, to be friends so I don't have to be alone is brutal. Yeah. That is like, yes. oof, yeah. oof. Yeah. So, yeah. It's relatable in a way that like, yeah. doesn't feel good, like no. in a good way. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, because I, I think everyone has that friend or that person that they meet, not just in music, but in life where they were very friendly, they have lunch every day, they got a text every day, and then next thing you know, they, they went away. And it could be for varieties of reasons. Oh. Sometimes they're authentic, sometimes they're not authentic, you know? And, and like, I was just trying to say, like, use some compassion, but also use some discernment. Like, is the community a part of authentic or is it not? That's kind of like what I wanted to open up, like, the record with, because, like, Strangers that you met before aren't always friends. Right. Sometimes they're enemies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's in general it's what's really remarkable about you, not just in the music you make, but just like as someone who's aware of, you know, your online presence and and the sort of like messages that you're often putting out is like you're obviously so um, like – like celebratory and supportive of the DIY scene, but also it, not afraid to call it out like at True. all. And I think it's, no. it's so um, refreshing to see somebody who does, who isn't like, cause I think you often will get one of two things, which is either people who are afraid to point at where the issues are in a scene or people who only want to tear it down. And I yeah. kind of think that second one, I sort of understand maybe a little more than the first, but finding somebody who is able to do both of those things and have them both feel authentic and, and like earnest, I don't think you see that often. And you're somebody who just, who seems to do it constantly. Thank you. Do we, do we want to roll into another, another song? I would love to roll into another song. <laughs> yeah. You, who, who wants to shout one out? What do we want to talk about next? I think we should talk about show friends. Send one message 
So this is another music nerd moment. Um, so like my biggest reference for this song was Weezer. Um, and also like, yeah. I had this nerd conversation with uh, Tilly Courtney. I don't know if you know who that is, but they're like an insane guitarist. And I've been taking like guitar mentorship classes with them. I don't say lessons because they're infrequent, but they're enough to be my mentor. <laughs> um, and I was just like, oh my goodness. E, C sharp, A flat, A is the most overused rock chord progression, right? And show friends is B major, E, C sharp, A, right? Which like isn't the exact chord, same chord formula, but very similar, okay. right? So I had to say to myself, if I'm going to release a record that gets people's attention, I have to make it in proximity to like Weezer. Cause like, <laughs> rock, like think about it, Roswell Kid, Title Fight, Foo Fighters, uh, The Pixies, Weezer and Red Hot Chili Peppers all have a song that blew up that literally follow the same chord formula. I might be missing a few more. Um, 
I think, ah, uh, oh, dang, I just forgot it. What's that band that sings Constant Headache? Joyce Manor, Joyce Manor, Joyce Manor also. They, they're all in that family. So I said, might as well add to the family, but make it a little different, you know, with some blibber blabber. Anthony Green also has one too. I See, I can keep going. You know, you got to study your stuff, right? So I just said, like, if I'm going to like say, ha ha, I got a record, I got to make it sound as basic as possible, but still unique enough. And I'm not saying all those bands are basic, but I think they all caught on at one moment, like, Yo, this is the one. We got to do that. (laughs) There's uh, a a point you touched on there, too, about just all the different influences and kind of paying homage to all these different artists and genres and scenes that, you know, influenced you and that you came up in. And one of my favorite things that we did, um, it actually happens on the record twice. It happens once in Caffeine and it happens in another song. And I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure you will, Brian. It's... um, we do that like that Beastie Boys, like you know, there's like a, a lot like it's it's like a, a rap ver- stanza, and like the last syllable or last word of every line is like emphasized by the whole group, which in this case is just you doubling and tripling yourself. Oh yeah, day to day, yeah, day to day. That's the one, and yeah. so we we did that twice, and I kind of love that because that's not the kind of thing you would expect to hear on. A, I mean, I don't even know what you would call this. The, like, do you? I know at one point I think you you were calling yourself a folk musician. Are you still kind of operating under that um, that umbrella, or like, what's your like? How would you self-identify at this point? So these days I call myself multi-genre, but after playing p- compost heap with like almost every folk punk act there is, uh, I've been told by the folk community that I'm adopted. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, because, like, you know, I've played with apes. Uh, I recently played with Pat the Bunny's brother. Like, this is all within the past year, right? Yeah. And and, and we generally have, like, solid relationships. But uh, my bassist says, you're just indie rock. <laughs> <laughs> and Liam goes, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, either, either way, just, like, having that, like, stylistic choice of, like, we're going to pay homage to, the, like, the way the Beastie Boys you yeah. know, form their stanzas, I think was a really cool choice. Um, and one that was a lot of fun to do in the studio as well. For sure. No, no, it definitely was. Cause at first I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But I was like, no, I totally can believe I'm doing this. So yeah, that was, that was really fun. <laughs> I think I yeah. remember I had to talk you into it for a second. And yeah. I think, I think I did one of my, one of my favorite things. I'm, I'm going to give what, give up the secret here a little bit. But when I'm when I'm working with somebody and I I know something's going to work, like I know in my heart this is going to work and they're kind of like, I don't know about it. Like I always throw out this like, let's just try it. And if it sucks, we'll delete it, knowing True. damn well we're not going to delete it because it's going to be awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and to, to my credit, I've <laughs> never said that and then deleted anything because usually huh. almost every time. We try it, and the, and the person goes, yeah, actually, that does that is cool. I like that. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I definitely was. You know, I really like that you did that for both those songs, because when I play it live and someone's already heard the record, they end up being the second vocal part. Oh, that's so, so fun. Yeah, 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 so it's fun. I was thinking about that from the beginning. I was like, this is a great, <laughs> a great call and response thing with the audience you can do when you start playing these songs yeah. live. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah. This I appreciate album. that a lot. This album is full of so many fun little things like that where I'm like, I said to Kitsy earlier today, I was like, I just love feeling the different like choices on this album. Like that was a clear choice you had to make, right? That wasn't just like following. And there's a 
there's a bunch of stuff on this album where I'm like, that's so interesting and unique and it wouldn't show up on any other album, I don't think, unless it were Brian's album. Like, you can just feel all of that. I mean, all over this. That's one of my favorite things about listening to this record now that it's out and 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 was one of my favorite things about working on it is that we did make a lot of choices um <laughs> when recording this and it was you know i feel like in a lot of songs there was like the easy obvious thing we could have done and almost in every instance we chose not to do that um sure. it was always like curveballs and like weird just try i mean so many of the days that we spent in my studio was just like you brought in someone I had never met before and you're like, we're just going to try stuff and see what sticks. Like so much of this record was like not really planned ahead. Like so many of the parts in this record, I mean, is like so many of these were just like, I know this person who's really good at what they do and they make really cool stuff and I'm just going to bring them in and they're going to hear the song for the first time in the studio and I'm just going to turn them loose on whatever instrument they play and we're going to see what happens. And like, and, you know, I remember being, like, very skeptical of this approach at first. I was just like, this is not going to work. And then, like, the first take was always a little rough because they're trying to get their footing and trying to figure out what's going on. But by, like, the third take, most of these people, it was just like, yeah, they're doing exactly what the song needs. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I love how organically the whole thing just came together because, like, you know, I think there's the opposite approach of, like, before you even go in the studio, you know exactly what you're going to do in every part with every instrument and the arrangements are set in stone. And they're like, and this was the complete opposite of that. You had like the chords, you had the lyrics most of the way done. And then everything else was just like, let's just figure it out. Um, yeah. Which is so not how I'm used to working. And it drove me nuts sometimes, but it, I think it, I think it made this such a unique and interesting record where like all of these songs, they each have their own, really individual unique thing about them that you know you really can't point to two songs this record and say well these songs sound really similar like but they all still feel cohesive in a way that that makes it all work i don't know i just i'm still like kind of in awe of how this whole thing came together and how well everything worked um and I don't know, it's just really exciting to be like finally like listening to it and having it out there because we worked on it for so long. We really did. And we finished it so long ago. Like you didn't put this yeah. out like the minute it was done either, which is like also cool. And I don't know, it's just it's it's really interesting, like going back and listening to it now that there's been some time and distance from it and just hearing like all these things where I'm like, oh yeah, that was a really cool choice that we made, or that was a really fun thing that we did. So mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going with my point here. I'm just having no. Fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think now's a, a good time. Let's take a little break. We'll let folks know what we've got going on over here, and then when we come back. We'll uh, talk about uh, a couple more songs, Brian. You're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still your host, Andrea. Kitsy is still today's co-host, and um, a day without love. Brian Walker is still with us. Let's um. Let's talk about another song. What do we want to talk about next? I say we should talk about caffeine.
another another one of those Beastie Boys uh, callbacks there. Love that. This is one of my favorite guitar tones on the record is this nasty fuzz sound that we got for the, the guitars in the um, in the verses for this song. No, I, I, I agree. I remember seeing a tone bender and mm-hmm. feeling very surreal about it because like I've known about it from like YouTube demos. <laughs> But then when I like actually played with it, I was like, wow. And then even like the ending of that song just like blew my mind because, you know, sonically I was thinking about how could I give homage to bands like Mannequin Pussy, uh, Mumbler, Avlov, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like making my own thing. But then the melody, that just came from walking to Wawa, you know? <laughs> the most literal way. Um, most chilly thing like, I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, like in, in the most literal way. And keep in mind, I've been having a wall in my life since forever, you know what I mean? Uh, and I just was thinking to myself, like, this this makes sense to be on this record. Um, and I would definitely say, like, next to Good Friends Are Hard to Find, it's my most sing-along song. Mm-hmm. Like, even when, like, I don't ask for a sing-along, people still end up singing along. <laughs> and... Um, what I enjoy about it is everyone can relate to it, no matter who you are. Like, even if you don't drink coffee, you still relate to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Cause, like, you know, this is a song, like, it's literally called Caffeine. It's clearly about, like, caffeine and that need. But there's, like, there's, there's more going on here, right? Like, caffeine is, we think of it as pretty harmless, but it's really not it's a substance and i think it's the most addictive substance literally i think that's like a a scientific fact we just don't think of it that way because it's so accepted and because like you typically don't die <laughs> from sure, it sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. but i i think it's another instance of, of your music doing like several things all at the same time true i will definitely say this and i think this is the first time i'm like sharing this every one of those songs have triple meanings like in in the whole album and like i don't know if i'll ever be able to speak for like 40 minutes about that but like caffeine for example was about the love of caffeine the 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 lubrication of of socialization and capitalism and also black empowerment um because uh, the lubrication of of capitalism is followed by like rush hour traffic gasoline and having to drink that coffee throughout the day because like i've noticed like offices new and old always have coffee the new thing is alcohol of the coffee at the at the office place too right. but it, there's always coffee no matter where you go mm-hmm. um, and then the reason why I, I meant to say like black empowerment is because like while coffee and like african-americans aren't typically a topic the idea of like i'm thankful for the strong and brown and i'm a writer was like yeah. really giving an ode to like so many black songwriters before me like like way before me that were doing things like riding on the road by themselves oh. riding on the train run by gasoline so like, you know what i mean so it's like a triple triple entendre of, of a song and like every every song has that so yeah i said this at the top but to talk to somebody who's clearly just so invested and so thoughtful about their work they're putting out even when you're like it's it's cool to give people like so many different 
entryways into your music because somebody can just listen to caffeine and be like yeah like i get this this is a song i'm gonna listen to on my way to work in the morning while i'm chugging my coffee and get like that little bit of go-go that i need but then you like you sit around and listen to it long enough and sit with it long enough and like that other stuff is gonna is gonna also seep in i think that's it's really smart and it's really thoughtful and it's uh it also just makes your music more interesting i think it's very cool thank you thank you i appreciate it um Brian, I could talk to you. I say, I feel like I say this every week and I mean it every week. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, this has been so fun. I really like getting to hear the the process behind making all of these songs. And I, I hope folks who haven't heard the album yet will go out and listen to it um, and pick it up when they can get the physical, buy the digital, get the physical, all of that. Um, before we send you on your way, do you want to let folks know where they can find you, what you've got coming up, all that good stuff? Certainly. So um, there's a lot happening. The The first pressing of the record's almost sold out. So there's cool. exactly 39 copies left, and that's a good feeling. Um, once I do have records in hand, whether it be the first pressing or hopefully the second pressing, um, I will be touring quite often throughout the year. Um, some new areas I'll be hitting are parts of Canada. Oh, uh, trying to get back, yeah. Trying to get back to the West Coast later in 2024, which I'm pretty excited about. And then, like later after that, 2025, I'll probably hit Europe for the first time. Um, more full band stuff will be happening via video, so you can definitely check us out on on YouTube. Um, still doing collabs with other people. Um, just like even though like I'm focusing on a day without love, I'm always down to do that. And you can find me on. Twitter, uh, TikTok, I can't believe I just said that, (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, uh, Facebook, if you still use it, and my website, all under A Day Without Love. And uh, I'm really thankful for Left of the Dial for supporting me throughout this whole journey. And uh, let's definitely continue to keep in touch and and do work together. So, yeah. Of course. course. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll link to all of that in our show notes. And I mean, really, folks, please go listen, pick it up, uh, support Brian. You know, we're such fans of yours and have been for a long time. It's fun to to keep seeing you doing what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, yeah. So thank you again so much for joining us. This has been so fun. Um, And this has been Left of the Dial. I've been your host, Andrea. Kitsy's been my co-host. A Day Without Love has been our guest. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. And if I don't see you Left to the dark. Left to the dark.